Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Episode 36 of Kente Corner, Casual Hoya podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft here again with Andrew Geiger, Casual Hoya. And Andrew, last night, Georgetown dropped a game to Providence, 73-63, that they're, they're, they're still in the mix, but it wasn't the best loss when you consider who they're playing going forward. What did you think about last night? Just frustrating. You know, every time you think this team gets over a certain hump, and then yeah. before the game, we, we find out that, you know, Mac might be back, and uh, you know even through the first half, we, we've got a lead, and just so close to just, uh, you win this game, and suddenly you're in really good footing. Every bracket that comes out over the next few days, we're going to be on the right side of the bubble, yeah. and then you just... I mean, they were gassed, you know? I mean, it, it's tough to ask so much of these five, six guys. Um, and when you play a physical team like Providence last night, you, you're going to get an outcome like last night, unfortunately. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, as always, I try and get there early just to see who's, you know, not who's not dressed based on who knows what the reason is. But recently there's been, like, you know, really legitimate reasons. Is, is, is McClung warming up? So he was, and you're like, okay. I'm pretty surprised by that. I know everyone that's listened, and we have a lot of great listeners. I've been very – he's not playing again this season. Um, I might have been off by eight minutes. He played eight minutes and three seconds last night. I think that's probably going to be it. When you consider the way that he went out, it, you know, he was kind of – he had gone to the hoop, you know, kind of in his, you know, intense, crazy fashion, got one foul call. And when he pulled up and, you know, he basically went to the ref and was like, hey, I'm hurt, and just kind of like, you know, walked over – and we never even saw him again. He didn't come out for the second half. So my guess is that, you know, he tried his best. He tried to go a lot of pain. People have been talking about foot in, you know, the foot, not just his ankle, but like plantar fasciitis and whatever that means. I don't really know. But then it was really surprising that your seven who warmed up at Butler wasn't there for warmups. He wasn't even in his suit sort of, you know, doing what a lot of the guys do. Like Trey morning would always be out there and just sort of standing around milling around. Maybe he was getting treatment, whatever. So he doesn't play at all after almost going. And then after the game, Ewing is and he 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 backed it up on today's Big East conference call, just saying, you know, he's cleared, he still has pain, it was his choice. We'll see. It's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My reaction to that was kind of a whoa too. I mean, if he's basically suggesting that Omer's making a what amounts to a business decision, um, by not yeah. suiting up when he may or may not be perfectly healthy. I mean, but he has been cleared medically, so clearly it was his choice not to play. Now, whether or not, you know, he comes out and plays in the next game at DePaul. Goes 30 to 20. <laughs> right. And then, of course, all of this is, is, is under the rug. But I have to think that they could have used at least a minimal amount of production from him last night. And, that you, and I think you tweeted like, not that it might've made the ultimate difference, but it couldn't have hurt when, you know, we've got to play, you know, Iggy out there for, for big minutes down the stretch. Yeah. It's a lot to ask of Wahab and uh, Ego FA. I was a little surprised. And he, you know, like, like I said, um, he, he was asked about taking the conference call and I don't think that, we obviously don't know. Everyone's had injuries, whatever level it is you play, rec league, high school, college. So we don't really know what it means. But I would say this. Jagan Mosley is playing with injuries. Ewing said it after the game. He said it today. He took a pretty tough forearm in his chest last night that didn't get called. Providence hit a three. 
when the game was back and forth. That guy is definitely playing. And, you know, you, you, you could just see Allen out there just tired, right? I mean, these guys are just tired. So I think that's that's probably the toughest part of Omir not playing in a game where Providence stayed in the game in the first half because they were making threes. I mean, they couldn't make any shots. They were down 9 nothing. They were one for their first 14, shooting 7%. Georgetown probably didn't take advantage of it enough. But second half, they made a switch, and they're like, let's go inside. They have Wahab and Timmy. And Butler just kept shooting threes, kept missing threes. Providence last night was like, look, we're going to just go down. We're just going to, you know, get good shots, get close shots. And you got you got to feel like Omir might have made the difference last night. So that was tough. Well, first of all, first of all, that, that <laughs> play you referenced with Mosley – yeah. and the forearm shiver he took. That was an atrocious call at a really bad time. I mean, it was yeah. early enough in the second half, and you're like, oh, okay, whatever. But it actually, in hindsight, turned out to be a, a pretty big turning point. I mean, he and he was kind of hurt from then on. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a no-doubt offensive foul call that turned out to be a three-point swing uh, for Providence. Uh, and Mosley was never really the same after that. Uh, there was a time, and it was really frustrating. Again, you know, we were down by six, down by five, down by seven, down the stretch, and had chances to get it to, you know, a one or a two-possession game, and we just had no legs. Like, you know, Blair was short. Mosley was jacking up air balls. I mean, Pickett, there was a really frustrating uh, sequence in the second half where Pickett, I think, missed three consecutive three chip, yep. chippies at, at the, right at the rim. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, it was kind on, of... on a, here, I, mean, I guess the point is this: on, on a night when Max Max out, your seven's not playing. Everyone's trying, you know, to, to just make buckets. You can't be missing layups. You know, uh, it just last night was just really frustrating from a from a standpoint for the fan base. I think. Um, well, particularly I, I, the second half, right? They go 13 yeah. minutes without making a shot. Um, yeah. The sequence you're talking about, where Pickett missed three on one play on one possession, that was kind of in the beginning of that. And what I think was different about this game than what they accomplished in Butler is, based on who they have, Providence did a good job of really trying to make it really difficult for Blair, and they're really disrupting out in the perimeter. Because you know, right now, if you want to stop Georgetown, you need to stop Javon Blair. Javon still had 20, but they weren't they weren't getting the great looks that they got. They went. They didn't shoot a lot of threes last night. It was, I think they were just three for, they were four for 12, which isn't going to win. They only took 15 threes of Butler, but guess what? They made 10. So they're just not winning games like this. If they're not, they have to just take more threes. And you didn't really see the good shots out there. I thought at the end, you'd seen something you hadn't seen in a while. It looked like Allen was really, you know, forcing it. Um, Mosley was forcing it a little bit. Blair was forcing it. They weren't, it wasn't it just, it just, it just wasn't going and sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, John lost. Ewing's not going to bring any players out. That's just what they do. I'm not really agree with that, but that, that, that's just what they do. And I'm like, what, what are we going to ask Ewing? Like, he's going to say they ran out of, they ran out of gas and he said they ran out of steam and you're like, yeah, okay. I buy it. Sure. You know, I mean, it's like, what, what can you possibly, you know, complain about? Yeah, I mean, I think as Hoya Sands, we've we've kind of been approaching these games as, you know, how much more time do we have with this squad before, you know, time runs out essentially, right? Like the bubble is going to burst. I mean, yeah, how much production can this group of five or six kids really give Georgetown? How many games can this team actually win? Yeah. Um, 
you know, last night, Providence is, is a very similar team to Georgetown. You know, they're probably, all in all, pretty equal teams. I thought to Providence's credit, you know, they, they played an old school Georgetown brand of basketball. You know, they played a good defense. They, they, they mucked up the game enough to give them a chance. Um, which has really been Providence's signature uh, method of basketball under Cooley, uh, for, for better or worse. Um, but, you know, at the end, Providence comes out with a win. I, I think if we have a full-strength Mac, full-strength Omer, maybe the outcome's different. I mean, obviously, hindsight is difficult to, to predict, but th- right. again, that's what makes it so frustrating. We just can't get our full roster of guys on the floor, and we've got, you know, five games left. Um, we need wins. <laughs> We're so close to making the tournament for the first time uh, since what 2015 that uh, it's just we we need these guys out there. Yeah, they do. If we could pivot real quick, we can come back and look over the, the last five games and what they kind of need to do and what's most likely. Um, Providence Twitter, I thought last night was kind of interesting. So. Second game in a row, Georgetown's opponent did not come into the normal press area. Um, Seton Hall's excuse was that they had a radio commitment and it was easier to just do their stuff outside the locker room because um, they were ranked. I needed to deal with that for something else. But last night, Providence doesn't, you know, they're not, they're right there where Georgetown is. They're actually probably a game worse. Um, but then we, we we get back after, after Ewing talks and I'm online and I'm seeing Providence their official Twitter account is just kind of going crazy. Like they, you know, they just made the tournament or they won the Big East championship. And I thought that was a really, you know, they're only, they're 15 and 12, you know, <laughs> they're, uh, you know, they had, they had a really bad non-conference, which is why they're actually below Georgetown still in most of these mock drafts and or in these uh, mock uh, brackets. So I was a little surprised by that. I think Friar fans generally have an inferiority complex when it comes to Georgetown. Yeah. I think that- it's it's it doesn't help, of course, their mindset that Ed Cooley's own daughter goes to Georgetown. Um, okay. Also, doesn't help the fact that you know all of this so-called regular season success they've had under Cooley hasn't translated to any postseason success. I think he's one in five in the dance. You know, and, right. and Cooley is, is by most accounts a, a very good coach, and and all that's fine. But these fans that when Providence loses games to whoever are calling for his head, and then turn around and think he's the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread after they beat a Georgetown team without two of its starters are, are just crazy. I mean, the uh, <laughs> it, it's fun uh, on Twitter to, to kind of go back and forth with them a little bit, but I do think that Providence fans need somewhat of a reality check. Well, I think they're telling themselves a little bit in that... They haven't won an NCAA tournament game in two decades. Well, no, they've won. won. They've Other won than one. the one. Other than yeah, the yeah. one. Two decades. That's a long time. Right. Now, that being <laughs> said, yeah, it's definitely a long time. It's been a ridiculous – so they've swept Georgetown five of the last six years, which I can't even believe I just said that sentence. It just seems unbelievable to say. But who cares? that's the reality. Who cares, though? But, like, who cares? I, I, well, like, I Providence fans. Providence. Right. <laughs> but that, that being said, you know, it's just, it's just surprising that – it it was just kind of it was kind of it was kind of surprising. It just it just it just stuck out to me. But that being said, I do think that I wouldn't mind at some point. And I, I think I speak for Georgetown followers. If Georgetown did some of that stuff, 
you know, some, hey, look, here's a guy celebrating. I'm like, there's a lot of teams that do that. I just thought that doing it last night was particularly odd, given that they're 15 and 12, you know, they're on the outside looking in. It's not like that was the last game they clinched it. You know, like, like let's well, say, for example, you go, you well, go down. I, I think, I, I think they're, um, I, I, I think their mindset is, okay, we're still in this thing. We obviously, that was a must win for us in order to even yeah. be in a bubble conversation. So, you know, let's keep this train moving kind of thing, which is fine. But you start, you know, dancing around a locker room with like doing some sort of mop dance because you swept Georgetown team that, <laughs> that never even played at starters. It's pathetic. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely something. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's good. You know, I mean, I know that when the Big East changed, I sort of looked around and thought, God, who are like the rivals? Who are like, what's, what's the interesting game? And maybe this makes the series more interesting. I don't know. Not really for me, but maybe for other people. Um, I just thought it was worth talking about. Um, so Georgetown's got five games left. When the bracket matrix gets updated today, yesterday Georgetown was on like 91 of like 116 brackets. It's probably going to be more like 41 of 90 of 116 when it gets updated. They probably need to win three more games of their five. I, I, I could be, yeah, three, I think. I think four is your, you're definitely in 100%. But if, if they win three, and you look at it, so you go at DePaul, at Marquette, home Xavier, at Creighton, home Villanova. I don't see a guaranteed win. I do think I see a guaranteed loss. Creighton seems like they're they're one of the best teams in the country at the moment. So let's just go ahead and take that game out. Do you agree? Or no? I, 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 I don't agree just because okay. I think we actually match up okay with them, assuming okay. that our guys play. I mean, honestly, I would agree with you that I don't think you can't pick a win out there on the schedule that's left if Mac and Omer don't play. Right. Um, assuming one or both plays, I, I still think a lot of these games are toss-ups. I think the DePaul oh, yeah. game, DePaul should be a win, right? I mean, I think they've DePaul has almost looks like they've almost given up. I mean, they, I give Georgetown sixty-five percent in that one. Yeah, I mean, I I think I looked up last night and they were down by thirty to Villanova at some point. I don't know what the final score was. Um, yeah. Creighton's tough. We you know on the road is always always tough to play there. Um, and yes, they're, I mean, they're on a roll. I mean, arguably they're a top two, three team in the conference. Um, what then Xavier at home. Yeah. Going to have to win. Xavier. I wonder if you're thinking NCAA at all. Yeah. Z- Xavier at home is, is, is a must. And I don't really think Mar- Xavier is any better than we are. Um, no. and then, and then who do we got? Well, we, so in, in between Xavier and, and DePaul, it's at Marquette. Oh yeah. At Marquette. You know the Marquette game at home was was pretty tight. Again, if they can just somehow prevent Howard from going off against us, I mean he put in forty, whatever it was, forty some odd points against us last time, and that they still, you know, barely eked it out. It seemed or it was close down the stretch. Uh, yeah. So I don't I don't really give Marquette that one. Um, and then of course Villanova on Senior Day, that's the big one. I mean, look, if Georgetown is in a uh, in a possible situation where it's a win and in game at home on the final Saturday of the season, Saturday of the season against Villanova. We got a shot. Yeah. I think if, I think if you're sitting there just going, you know, look, this group has been so fun to watch. They've given everything they can. What's the best outcome going forward before the beast tournament. 
I think, is going 2-2 two two in your next four games and yeah. getting to Villanova feeling like, you know what, Georgetown beats Villanova, they're in. They somehow did it. And then it's, you know, it's a one-game thing. They can definitely match up with uh, Villanova. They can, you know, make it a, a game to the half. Then you got 20 minutes to try and get in the tournament, you know. So I think yep. that's that, that's probably best. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If your 18th win of the season comes against Villanova, I don't think it matters what happens in the biggest tournament. I think they're in. I would I would totally agree, but it's just somehow getting two and two over the next four, which is why that game last night when you're up nine nothing, when you're up four at the half, that game was just so big because now you kind of don't really have any wiggle room. You gotta win at DePaul, you gotta beat Xavier at home, which you know, yes. those are definitely things that can happen. It's just man, like both games against Providence just I think when they if if you look back at the end and they don't make the tournament and obviously, you know, everyone left and people got hurt. But when you actually look at the games and where you, where like you got got, I think it's the Friars, unfortunately. Um, sure, and that and that again, that makes it so frustrating when you hear Ewing say that your seven is clear to play and each chose yeah. not to. I, I I don't remember a, a at least in the last ten years or so, I don't remember a situation ever hearing that from Georgetown coach Georgetown coach about a player that decided not to play on his own. Um, no, Ewing has definitely been pretty honest. I think all of his time in the NBA and just not having time for BS. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that he's giving out all the information, but I also don't. I, I I also think that he said things that you'd be like, "Whoa, did the coach at Georgetown just say that?" Right. right. <laughs> um, this is kind of a Kente corner first. Since we've started this pod, well, basically right in the beginning, Georgetown picked up their fourth commitment for next year, which is great for a school that needs a lot of bodies. So Kobe Clark was there last night. He's out of Missouri. Um, he is a 6'6 forward. From He's going to be part of next year's class. So he's going to be joining Tyler Beard, who just recently committed. Um, and then you've got Dante Harris and Jamari Sibley. So Ewing and company did a pretty good job picking up both Beard and now Kobe Clark kind of at the last minute. Like these are, everyone sort of agrees that these are, two of the best two of the better seniors still floating out there i know um i don't think either of us have watched kobe clark play but i'd say this is definitely a positive development now if you're looking at moncrief and trying to read those leaves this might not be positive for that right i mean i i've it seems like the uh moncrief to oklahoma state rumors have kicked up a notch over the last few days and Again, it's fair enough. I, it's fine. I trust that I trust Ewing's ability to spot talent. It seems like Kobe Clark kind of fills the the role that Myron Gardner perhaps was was going to play, sort of a six 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 seven guard slash you know wing player, a hard nosed yeah. kid um, who can you know get to the rim, uh, but also looks to play some pretty good perimeter defense. So I think Clark is your Gardner replacement, so to speak. Um, obviously it would be nice to have another four star, uh, to go along with Sibley. Um, but, uh, you know, if Moncrief's not that guy, then honestly, it opens up more spots for potential grad transfers, which is, which is fine with me for next season. Yeah. I think that they definitely need to be in the, I know we talk about this and we talk about it every time I have no problem doing that. They definitely need an Allen replacement. Um, and I, you know, no offense to Harris or Beard, 
but Allen came in ready to go because he'd been in college for four years and he had done a really good job where he was. I think it's important because right now you got McClung and Blair and then these two freshman guards. You've got Pickett, you've got Sibley, oh. and now Sibley and now and now Kobe Clark. So you are rounding out your roster. Um, during the conference call, Ewing, something he hadn't said recently, he sort of always acted like Omir is a junior and he's coming back. He was giving praise to Wahab and said, well, you know, if Omir doesn't come back, um, <laughs> you know, Wahab's obviously done really well. And, just, you know, I expect him to make a big leap. Um, I think we can all kind of count on Wahab being the starting center next year. And I think Ego FA has played well enough to think that he can improve as well. No idea about Malcolm Wilson, but, you know, that's okay. Yeah, I, I don't think any of us have ever thought that Yurt Seven's coming back next season. I'd be more than happy to have him back, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then again, it wouldn't really make his decision last night to sit make much sense, you know. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Q has shown a lot this season. I think most of the fan base, and we've discussed this, is it's pretty solid as far as the, the center position moving forward. You know, aside from losing Terrell Allen next season, I don't know who replaces Mosley, not just his output statistically, but just as the leader, uh, you know, in the locker room. I, I, oh, I don't yeah. really see anyone on the roster that you can point to to say, like, you're going to be that guy right now. No, but, I, you know, I don't think when Mosley was, you know, necessarily a freshman or a sophomore, he'd sort of been injured with his shoulder. You probably couldn't have said it about him then. So, so, you know, I think I, a, I actually think the only guy is, is probably McClung just because he's kind of that, you know, he'll be passionate. a junior and yeah, a passionate, fiery guy on the floor. Um, before we go, can we talk about one more thing that seems like it's pretty cool? Obviously, Malinowski has been in every game looking very interesting, but apparently him and Trey Morning, since he's been off from G League duty or whatever, and uh, Caleb, who during the conference call, Patrick Ewing said that he was basically just in town looking for a job, which was, was really, a really interesting way to say it. Um, they've been practicing because they said, well, these guys know the offense. They know the defense. We need bodies. That's actually pretty. I think that was, that was a pretty cool tidbit. Better them than against you or I, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really true. It's really, and you know, if you take a step back, it's, it's again, it's a, it's a testament to what this team has really been able to accomplish uh, without having the number of bodies that you really need in order to field a respectable <laughs> team uh, on a nightly basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great that Georgetown has those alums that are able to come back and, and still visit campus and practice with the team. Um, yeah. yeah, just frustrating, man. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's frustrating, but you know what? If they beat DePaul a fading DePaul team that has just done nothing after a great non-conference by their standards or most team standards, actually they win on Saturday night and we do the podcast next time. They're going to be right back in most people's brackets. That's all it's going to take. I really think so. I don't need anyone, anyone, you know, getting ready for Kenner league already. There's definitely more basketball to play. Um, They're still in the mix. It's sort of unbelievable, but they're definitely in the mix and it's just going to take a win at DePaul to get it done. Yes. It will also take a loss at DePaul to get it done. Yes. A loss at DePaul and you start thinking, all right, how could they possibly win the Big East tournament? Because that's what it would definitely, 
what it would definitely definitely turn into. Um, Kente Corner, you guys have done a great job listening. You can find us and you can subscribe and rate us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, if you're clever enough to find it somewhere else, that's awesome. Um, Andrew, I'm glad that we got this in after last night's tough loss. Glad Georgetown got another recruit. And we will talk to the people after DePaul. We're on to DePaul. We're on to DePaul. Later. See you.